your turn to be afraid. Are you a fan of things that go bump in the night? Chills up your spine, paralyzed by fright. Thrilled by horror at the center of a chat. Then welcome to the Nerds from the Crypt podcast. Thank you very much for joining us here on Nerds from the Crypt, the podcast where we review your favorite and sometimes not so favorite horror movies and interview indie horror creators. Before getting too far into this episode, once again, I want to go ahead and give a big thank you to every single one of you who's been hanging out, hanging in there for with us while we went on a, a break um, over the last year. We are currently reaching out to indie horror creators and inviting them to come onto the show, and that's exactly what we're doing here today. I want everyone to welcome our good friend back to the podcast, Mr. Ambrose Stoliker. How are you doing today, sir? I'm good. It's good to get, get, tell you how good it was to hear the uh, intro music to the podcast again. I was like jamming to it, right? <laughs> Yeah, I'm good. It's great to be back. It's good. It's. I'm glad. I'm so glad you guys are 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 back. You know, creating more podcast content, talking about horror, interviewing horror authors and creators. That's awesome. Oh man, no, I I really really enjoy talking to anybody who who comes on the podcast. So trust me, it's my honor. I'm glad you you not having any trouble uh, in past interviews getting things out of me. Um, but like most writers, I like the sound of my own voice. So <laughs> not a problem to uh, to 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 grant you that. Um, well, you know, I feel like I end up talking way too much and I'm, I just tell myself, you know what, people are not listening for me. So let's go ahead and just uh, catch up with you. What have you been up to since the last time we spoke? Yeah, the last time we spoke was for my novella, The Death Shoot, um, which came out in 2019. Uh, and it, it was put out by um, an indie, like a small horror press uh, called uh, Aurelia Leo. And um yeah, I mean, a lot has happened since that time. Obviously, I have a new book out. Um, uh, I my, my new book came out in May of 2022. So it's not so new anymore. But, um, you know, that's the last, uh, the most recent publication I've had. Uh, and um, uh, I've also been working on um, short story collections. I've finished a new novel uh, or the first draft of a new novel uh, since then. So I have quite, quite a bit, you know, you know, uh, going on in terms of writing. So, well, that's great to hear. looks like you have plenty of reasons to come back to the podcast. Yeah. It's yeah. good to hear that you're working on short stories. I, I personally love short stories, especially if it's from the mind of Stephen King. Um, he's one of my favorite authors and I feel like it's really where he hits his stride is when he's doing his short stories. Mm -hmm. I love short stories too. In fact, I actually prefer writing them to writing, um, you know, full length, uh, novels, uh, even though it's hard for me to write stories that the short stories that are really marketable, which is like in terms of length, like you got to keep it at or below about 5,000 words. And I have a really hard time doing that. Um, but I still enjoy writing short stories more than, um, than novels. And I love reading them. And, and for the same reason you do, you know, the, Bradbury and Stephen King were kind of the first Edgar Allan Poe, like all those kind of classic short story writers were my exposure to short story writing and to the horror genre, uh, uh, particularly. So, okay. So let's, um, let's talk about your story today. The, the book that we're going to be talking about was actually published, um, last May and you reached out to us so we can go ahead and talk about, uh, the strange nighttime journey of father Stephen Marlowe. And I think it ended up being like a week or two weeks before we were going to go ahead and, and talk about it that I had to reach out to you. And unfortunately, the whole year 
has passed since we've been actually able to, to record and get this out. So I want to go ahead and, and thank you for 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 coming back coming back to the show after after such a long time. And now just correct me if I'm wrong here, but it feels like this story is probably the most personal story that oh, at least from what I've read from you. Yeah, I so I think um you know every story that every writer writes has a part of themselves in it. And so certainly there are aspects of me and my life in the book. Um, I don't want to like go too much into that because I, I like readers to kind of just read the story and, and, and take from the characters what they will. But, you know, like um, I, I was born and raised Catholic, um, you know, and obviously the stories about um, the spiritual struggles of, of a Catholic uh, priest. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I would say that, um, it's, uh, it's kind of the most like grounded in, um, uh, you know, it's, it's not set like in a different time or anything. Like a lot of my other stories, I write a lot of period stuff. Um, it's set in the modern time and I think it deals with very kind of modern issues around faith and, um, sexuality and, um, you know, family dynamics and, and things like that. So it, to that, in that sense, yeah, it is, it is uh, much more personal, I think, than um, some of the stuff that I've written previously. Okay. So in uh, the straight nighttime journey of father Stephen Marlowe, we get to know father Stephen Marlowe, who is not only struggling with his re with the recent suicide of his brother, Chris, but also struggling with the, with the crisis of faith. And the reason I, I feel like um, I can relate to the story is that I feel like anyone who is religious or at least at one point was religious in their life will or would have gone through something similar to, to what he's going through. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's like the part of me that is most, you know, uh, prevalent in the story because what you just said is very true. You know, I think whether you're Catholic or, or Protestant or even not any religion at all, um, you know, or just spiritual, everybody has, you know, um, profound moments of doubt, uh, about themselves, about the direction of their life, about the direction of the world. Um, and I think that is the central, um, question that the story, uh, tackles, uh, is, um, you know, what do you do when, everything you thought you knew and you and thought you believed has been is challenged like you know how do you get through that and come out um a stronger person uh, or a changed person right so yeah that is the central premise of uh of father marlowe's struggle and once again feel free to correct me on this if i'm wrong i don't feel like this is necessarily a horror book it's a great book and it has horror elements in it yeah, it's interesting you say that. You're not the first person to read it. Uh, I've gotten lots of different reactions to the book. Um, it's gotten really well reviewed by book bloggers and podcasters like yourself. Um, you know, it's got a, a really good like 4.7 aggregate rating on Goodreads and Amazon. So people, it, the story is resonating with with people, um, and. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I think um, it's, uh, you know, uh, again, it's, it's, a, it's a story about um, 
struggling with who you are and things that you've done, because we've all been there, right? We all look back on, you know, decisions we've made. And sometimes we second guess ourselves or even in a healthy way, wonder like, maybe I could have handled that better. Maybe I wasn't as um, caring or compassionate as I should have been. Maybe I was more selfish um, than I should have been um, in this, in any given instance. So yeah, that is really the, 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 the central premise of, of the book. Well, yeah, no, no. Father Marlowe is really well written. He feels like a real human. And as you continue reading, you get to learn a little bit more about what happened to his brother. I won't spoil it for our listeners, but as you continue to read, you learn about that relationship he had with his brother and his family and how that is weighing on him. And this is why I think Father Marlowe can resonate with some someone who has never even been religious because the character is much more than just the father or Father Marlowe. He is a real person in our mind. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. And yeah, again, it kind of goes back to your earlier statement that it's almost like a, 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 a drama that has horror elements in it, right? Like it's it's funny you mention that because I I've I've been a horror writer. It was my chosen genre for over a decade now. I rarely write outside of that genre, um, and um, it's just you know where I feel most comfortable, and it's what I've spent most of my life reading it's always resonated with me but i think you know what you're really getting at is that um you know you can have lots of great scares in a horror novel or a suspense novel uh you can have really cool like creatures and and ghosts and you know very kind of chilling supernatural uh events happening but if you don't care about the characters and the characters are not relatable um then I don't think it's going to resonate well. It's just, it's not going to land with readers, right? And to me, um, I've almost always, I think the best stories I've written have always started with the characters and, you know, chiefly the protagonist. And, you know, trying to kind of figure out um, what makes the main character tick, what is their central conflict, um, you know, uh, and that's how it started with Father Marlowe, actually. Um, you know, uh, you asked me, you know, before we got on the call, like you wanted to talk about how the, the story got started um, and, or, you know, what the inspiration for it was. Um, there's lots of different kind of literary influences on it. I can talk about that um, in a couple of minutes. But, you know, how it got started was it, it actually started as a, um, Marlowe started as another character and it was a a 2000 word short story that I actually wrote like over, I think like a decade ago. And it was, it was in kind of this first batch of horror stories that I wrote when I decided, you know what, I'm, I'm going to give a go at horror. I've always loved it. I want to write some ghost stories. And so I, you know, um, I, started writing them and I think I wrote about 14 or 15 of them over like a two or three year period. And one of them was this, uh, this short story called the confessional. And it was only like a 2000 word short story. And it was basically about a young priest, much younger than father Marlowe, who kind of thinks that he's fresh out of the seminary. So he's very gung ho about being a priest. And, you know, he, he, he kind of comes out of seminary with a confidence, uh, that he hasn't really earned yet the way a lot of 
people in their early to mid twenties feel right. Like you just, you haven't really lived a full life yet at that age. And you tend to see things in very black and white terms, very stark terms. And so, you know, he's, um, very sure of himself and he has this encounter in his church. It's his first assignment out of the seminary. And he has this encounter with a satanic figure in the confessional and his whole world by the end of that encounter is shattered. And it's kind of like the beginning of a spiritual journey for that character. Um, and maybe because it was just the beginning, that's why I had so much trouble selling the story. I must've submitted it like to, 30, 40 magazines and, and publications and none of them even responded to it. But I, and so I kind of put it aside for a while. And then, you know, years later, I was like, you know, I always thought that was a good beginning to a story. And so I just started thinking about this character and who he really was. And, and I suddenly had this image of him in the confessional with this figure uh, and the, ground beneath him gives way and he's kind of cast into this netherworld, which is really kind of how the action starts in the strange nighttime journey of father Stephen Marlowe. Right. Um, and so then it just became like, okay, well, why is he cast into this, this netherworld? What is the reason for this journey he's going on? And, you know, you just kind of start playing the what if game. And so I was like, okay, you know, this character's in pain. He's obviously in pain. Why is he in pain? And so I thought of this backstory with his brother who used to be a priest and who was gay. And, you know, that doesn't go over well in the Catholic church. And, um, you know, he committed suicide. And so, you know, um, that's kind of how the story took off. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of the origin, the inspiration for the story. So let's take some time. I want to talk to you about uh, the, some of the imagery that that is in the book um, and how the way you describe it. Once Father Marlowe goes into the confessional, he goes in and once it starts to shake and opens up underneath him, once he is in this other world and you start to you start reading his journey, it really feels like uh, like uh, like the Odyssey except that our hero is the Catholic priest, Father Marlowe, and he's going through these different, um, for the lack of, uh, for the, for lack of a better word, uh, quote unquote lands where he is, where he has different companions as he tries to get to his final destination. Yeah, totally. Um, that, yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's funny. Um, you mentioned the Odyssey. Um, I haven't heard that comparison, but it's very apt, I think, because it is a journey, right? Like that's, odyssey is an odyssey is a journey uh and um you know when the publisher who eventually um uh published uh the book first reached out i had been submitting it uh to literary agents and 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 small presses and hadn't gotten much of a bite on it uh but um the guy who reached out to me uh, was a guy named uh, Tyler Howth, and he's the uh, the co the the founder of um, Muddy Paw Press, which is the small press that eventually bought the rights to the book and and brought it to market. Um, he called me on the phone actually, which was so weird because I've never had a publisher call me on the phone. Um, and and uh, you know he called me and he introduced himself and and he said, "Hey, I've read half of your book." And it really reminds me of Dante's Inferno. And I really want to publish it. 
And this was, you know, like out of nowhere. It was like the last phone call I expected that day. Right. Um, and so I was like, oh, cool. Well, finish the book. And if you really like it, then yeah, let's talk. Um, so he finished it and he called me uh, and, you know, he, you know, was a great partner to work with on it. And um, uh, yeah, but, you know, he, he definitely was like, this is, this feels to me like a modern day Dante's Inferno. But I think, you know, the Odyssey is definitely a great comparison. It's really about a journey, uh, both, you know, a personal journey, a spiritual journey. A f it's a very physical journey. It's metaphysical. It's all that kind of stuff. Well, I can definitely see why they say Dante's Inferno, especially because of the hellscape imagery you give us. And you're very, very descriptive about that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think there's if you look at if you read the book and if you know my reading habits, then, you know, um, writers are in a lot of ways master thieves. We just kind of steal from the stuff that resonates with us, you know, from the time we start reading. Um, and so I think there's elements of, you know, fantasy in there. Um, I love fantasy. I loved Tolkien. Uh, I loved Arthurian legends. I loved, uh, I, I love HP Lovecraft. So there's a lot of kind of weird elements in there, weird fiction elements. Um, you know, Richard Matheson, his, his, um, book, what dreams may come was a big influence on me. Um, you know, because it's, it's, again, it's about a guy who, you know, travels into, um, the netherworld to save his wife. Uh, and, you know, it's a very metaphysical book. It explores, you know, the nature of death and the nature of life and, uh, all those kinds of themes. And so I think, yeah, you see a lot of that type of imagery and you see a lot of Catholic imagery in there, obviously a lot of, um, Christian imagery, um, you know, uh, so yeah, I mean, all the creatures that I dreamed up and, and, um, you know, all the kind of different mystical elements, they, they're all just things that, um, I, I've read since I was a kid, you know, I was a big comic book reader too. Right. And still am. So, you know, I'm sure there's elements of that in, in the book as well. So it's a mishmash of all these different genres that I've been reading for a very long time. Yeah, eventually we get to get further information on what happened between Stephen and his brother, and we get to see why, at least how I interpret it, why he feels guilty, especially because of how he reacted towards his brother. And we see that initial rift between them, and we get to see that guilt really fall on him after we learn about the suicide. Yeah, I mean, I think when we meet Marlo, um, you know, he is in a profound crisis of faith. Um, for a lot of reasons, but, you know, um, he's weighed down by guilt um, because he, even if he hasn't fully admitted it to himself, he failed his brother on some level. And and that initial kind of quote unquote sin um, has impacted his ability to be a priest or be a minister to people he's supposed to minister to his flock right um he's so worn down by guilt and anger and and depression that he feels he can't um he can't be of any use to his um his church and that manifests in the very first scene which is actually my favorite scene in the book that first scene with um the little girl samantha who is dying of cancer yeah um that, you know, uh, 
he feels guilty for that. And he, you know, you get the sense that he's kind of like, man, if my head was just in the game, I might've been able to help this girl in her, you know, greatest time of need as she was about to pass from, you know, life to death. And he feels that he failed her not knowing, you know, you find out later in the book that, you know, his impressions of how he behaved during that interaction is not how she feels he behaved in that interaction. She has a completely different interpretation of what happened. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's definitely tackles those kinds of, of, of themes and, 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 you know, forgiveness and, and self-forgiveness and facing up to the responsibility of what you've done and that kind of thing. I don't know how much, much we really want to give away during the episode. We want to, you know, we want to leave the listeners wanting some more, but what else do you want to share with us about this character and or, or story? God, you know, I don't know. Um, I mean, I could talk about Father Marlowe, like, till the cows come home. Because, uh, you know, I mean, it was a, a joy to write. Um, at times it was tough um, because there's some pretty difficult passages in the book. Um, where you, you know, the characters are dealing with some really heady matters. Um, but like I said, like that first scene is my favorite. Uh, I love the way it begins. I love the scene, the first scene with Father Smolensky as well, where he, where Marlo is basically pleading to just be let out of his pastoral duties because he doesn't feel like he can carry on. But, you know, throughout the book, there's lots of scenes that I'm very proud of, um, as a writer. Um, uh, but you know, it's, um, I feel like it's the best thing I've written so far. Um, of course, every writer thinks that the thing that they, they wrote most recently is the best thing that they've written. So, you know, take it for what it's worth. Um, yeah, I've, I've read a couple of your books and I can personally say that I like this one the most. It's, it's, well, by far, it's my favorite. Oh, well, that's good. That's good. Yeah. You know, every, it's kind of like, you know, if you have, um, there's a saying, you know, like if you have multiple kids, right. You know, you can't ask a parent, like which kid do you love more? It's you love each of your children in a different, now I only have one kid, so I don't get, have to face that dilemma, but, um, uh, you know, uh, they always say, well, I love each kid differently. Right. And I think that's very true with authors and their books, you know, um, I love Old Hollow for lots of different ways because I love historical fiction and especially horror that is set during um, period time, you know, a, a historical time. I love the Death Shoot because it's um, deals with lots of really interesting themes, in my opinion, and, mm -hmm. and it's a great haunted house type of story, which I had always wanted to write. It's just a great ghost story. Uh, and I love Father Marlowe because it deals with um, – what I think are kind of, you know, like you said earlier in the call, um, it's, uh, it deals with, with, uh, themes and questions that I think everybody can relate to because we've all had moments of doubt, you know, where, you know, we look up at the sky and, you know, whether you believe in God or, you know, you're a Buddhist or whatever, you're like, why are you doing this to me? You know, why is this, or, or why is this happening to me? You know? <laughs> Everyone has had that thought, even yeah. maybe if you don't want to admit to it. Yeah, totally. Or I, I would say if you haven't had those kinds of thoughts, you might not have lived much of a life because that is part of life, right? Is 
dealing with pain and dealing with suffering and, and it's not always going to go your way. Um, so, you know, that I think is the central premise of Father Marlowe's journey. Well, I will definitely be recommending this one to everyone. And for those listening, you'll find the link on the on the description of this episode where you can go purchase this this, this book. Um, so just click on that link and head over to, to get it on Amazon. And I'll tell you something. I've already recommended this to one of my friends. I hadn't even finished reading the first the first um, part or first chapter. Oh, great. And I right away messaged her and told her, you know, you need to go get this book. Good deal. Great. Well, thank you so much. I'm glad. I appreciate you reading it. And, you know, um, I'm so happy that you liked it because um, you've read my other books. Um, so, you know, it's always nice to hear from someone who's who's read, you know, most of what you've you've published that they liked your, your latest thing. So um, thank you for, for taking the time to read my work. Okay. Yeah. So, so is there anything else that you would like to share with us? You mentioned that you were working on other things at, at the moment. Well, I mean, like most writers, I'm always kind of writing, right? So, you know, just because Father Marlowe came out doesn't mean that like my career ha- as a writer has ended. It's always kind of on and upward to the next thing. Um, and so, yeah, I've been writing a lot. Um, I, I'm currently like shopping around a collection of uh, short horror stories that are all set uh, in basically three time periods. So uh, the antebellum period prior to the American Civil War, um, the, it's a collection of like 12, 10 to 12 sh- stories. And the vast majority of them are set during the war itself. So from 1861 to 1865. And then um in the so-called Indian Wars on, you know, in the old American West, uh, there's a couple of stories that take place there. So that is done and I've been chopping it around and um, hoping that um, even though it's a tough sell to, to sell a collection of short stories, I've had a couple of bites and gotten some encouraging feedback on it. No one's bought it yet. So fingers crossed. So I'm working on that, uh, getting that published. And then I have a, um, I actually have another novel that it, it started as a story in that Civil War collection, but it just kept growing and it turned it, it started as a short story and then it turned into like a novel. And so I've got the first draft of that done and I'm actually going to start um, work on the second draft um, pretty soon, actually. Um, and uh, so, you know, hopefully uh, finish that, uh, pretty soon. And I've also been writing some short horror stories that are like weird Westerns set in the old West. So like from pretty much like the end of the, the civil war on to like into the 1880s and the 1890s. So I've, I'm, I'm almost done with a, a new short story actually. Um, so, so that's what I've been working on. Um, and so hopefully, you know, someone will publish them and, and think that they're good enough for other readers. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you'll, you'll get them published. I'm pretty sure on that. We'll see. You know, um, it's, uh, it's a tough market out there. Um, you know, I, a lot of writers, are, I've not, you know, secured like a literary agent or, or anything like that. Um, not for lack of trying. Um, but um you know, I've been lucky that some, a couple of small presses have, um, have read my work and thought, you know, this, I think there's an audience for this or, you know, and, and I really like the story that you told. Um, and, uh, you know, so I've been lucky in that sense that, uh, there've been some editors out there 
and publishers who have seen some merit in my work. So hopefully it just kind of keeps growing from there. So what would you say to someone if they were to reach out to you and say, I really want to turn this into a graphic novel or to any other type of media? <laughs> I mean, no one ever has, but I wouldn't be opposed to it. Like, I mean, I'm not like one of those guys who's going to like say no to an idea just because I, I don't like like the premise of the idea. Like I would I would want to know more about it. You know, I mean, so much of of that decision, it would be based in like, well, who would the publisher be? You know, who would the artist be? You know, would our visions for the story, both visually and, you know, the words, would they align? Right. I've, I've, I love graphic novels. I'm a, like I said, I'm a, I've been a comic book collector um, since I was about 10 or 11 years old um, and have a deep love and respect for that form of publishing. Um, but no one has ever approached me about it yet. Um, but I do think like a story like, like, like Father Marlowe would be really good because there's so much great imagery in it. And I think it's a, you know, it's a pretty fast moving story too, right? Like that's one of the other reactions I've gotten from everyone who's read it is they're like, you know, the story, I f it's a page turner and, and I've, and, and um, it, it went a lot faster than I thought it would. The book's only 227 pages to begin with. And, but they're like, it feels like you cover a lot of ground in that 227 pages. Um, so I do think something like that lends itself to um, a, a more visual medium, like a graphic novel or a comic book. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, well, like I said, um, you're very descriptive of what's going on. And as I was reading it, I was seeing a graphic novel in my head. That's interesting. I, I've not had that reaction before, but that's cool. I mean, just the more people read it, um, the more I'm, I'm surprised by what people take from it. Um, you know, uh, some people, just about everybody that's read it has liked the descriptive elements of it. They've, they've liked the central conflict. Um, you know, uh, some people who aren't religious at all have said, Hey, this is a great book. I'm not religious at all. And I really enjoyed this story. And even though I'm not religious, it, it applies to my life. Right. You know, I mean, I don't necessarily consider it a religious book, even though there's a lot of that, those elements in it. Right. Uh, but it's not proselytizing by any means. I'm, you know, like I said, even though I was raised Catholic, I'm, you know, I was a journalist for a long time, so I'm pretty skeptical of big institutions um, like the church or the government and that kind of thing. So what I find interesting is that this is a story about a priest, but it doesn't have to do anything with possession um, or anything like with an exorcism like that, which is not very, very um, common with with this type of character. Yeah. You know, that's a, that's another reaction I've gotten. Like, uh, it's funny because um, it's so true, right? Like probably most of the time that we see a priest in a horror film, it's, you know, uh, an exorcist or it's, you know, like some crazy eyed priest, like in the omen where, you know, trying to tell the protagonist, you know, you're doomed, you know, or something like that. Um, you don't, I don't think it's very often that you see priests as the central protagonists in stories themselves, you know, I mean, 
you know, uh, where they're not exercising somewhat, right? Like, oh no, yeah, and like you said, you actually like the character. That's true. Yeah, I mean, there's, I guess, there's a little bit of a a little bit of a risk in writing a, a Catholic priest as the protagonist, right? Because there's so much that has gone on with the church that is not good, and and people have lots of different um, takes on the church and priests and um, that kind of thing. But, you know, I mean, it just was a character that came to me and I, I, I felt like I could bring him to life. Um, you know, he's very human, I think, which is one of the things that I, I like about him is he doesn't have all the answers and, and he knows that he's failed uh, the people that he loves and that are most important to him. And he is trying very, very hard to make things right, but he just doesn't quite know how to do it. Um, so, you know, I do think that's one of the reasons why the people who have read the book have said what you said earlier. This is almost like not a horror story. It's really more about a person's struggles with the things that we all struggle with, um, with horrific elements in it. Um, Oh yeah, and uh, before we wrap up tonight, I was—I just have to ask—is—is is there anything that you're watching or reading right now? Oh, I'm always watching and reading something, um, so I can give you kind of like the last couple of books I've read and what I'm watching on Netflix currently. So, in terms of what I've been watching, um, you know, as a horror writer, I'm always kind of um, watching uh, stuff in my genre or, you know, fairly adjacent to it. Um, so my wife and I have been watching this show on Netflix called you, which is oh, yeah. really good. I love that Penn Badgley and, um, uh, God, I can't remember the actress's name. She was in the haunting of Hill house and the haunting of Bly Manor. She's a great actress. Um, she's in it. Um, Victoria Pedretti, I think is her name. Um, so we've been watching that. We've been watching the last of us. Um, and then I'm always kind of watching horror movies um, uh, as well. Uh, in terms of what I've been reading, um, I'm, I am I read like three great horror books in a row over the like the last couple of months. I read Carrion Comfort by Dan Simmons, which is a great historical horror novel um, with it's kind of grounded in the Holocaust and um, vampirism, but kind of like um, – psychic vampirism as opposed to like, you know, sucking the blood vampires. Uh, and then uh, after that, I read a book called Kindred, um, which the new Hulu TV series was based on. I didn't care for the, the TV series actually, but the book was wonderful. Um, and that, you know, deals with um, racism and, and um, the legacy of slavery uh, on um, African-Americans uh, today modern African-Americans today. And then I read a book called um, The Hunger, which is another great historical horror novel that uh, takes place uh, during the uh, the tragedy of the Donner Party in the 18, late, the mid to late 1840s in the Sierra Nevadas was the, the party of settlers that um, resorted to cannibalism because they got snowbound uh, there. So I've been reading that. I just finished that. And then I decided I had to take a break from horror. So I'm rereading the book that actually made me want to become a writer, which is uh, a book called The Crystal Cave. And it's an Arthurian book um, by um, uh, an author who passed away several years ago. Her name is um, 
uh, Lady Mary Stuart. She was an English uh, English writer, and it's the story of Arthur told through the eyes of Merlin. And the Crystal Cave begins when Merlin is seven years old in Wales, and it's the book that more than any other book made me want to become a writer. I remember my mother giving it to me as a nine year old, and it's like a four hundred page historical you know, uh, Arthurian novel. And I just ate it up. And um, I read the next two books too in it uh, as a nine-year-old and immediately started writing and totally ripped off the book, um, like really shamelessly. But that's how you learn to write is by, you know, or it's one way to learn how to write is is to imitate um, the writers that you love, especially when you're a kid. Um, But yeah, so reading that as an adult has been pretty cool because the last time I read it, I was my son's age. So yeah, those definitely sound very interesting. Uh, um, I'm definitely going to go ahead and, and put those to in my to-read list. Yeah, uh, The Hunger, it's really good. It's by Ama Katsu. She's a wonderful writer. It's the only book of hers I've read, but I'm looking forward to reading more. Um, and then um, The Hunger uh, was written by Octavia Butler, um, who she's kind of considered like the the founder of a genre, uh, the Afrofuturism genre. Um, so it's like a, a, a speculative fiction genre that is rooted in the African-American experience. She's written a lot of books. My wife's read um, a couple of her books. Um, I read the book because I saw the, the the first couple of episodes of the show and I was like, you know, this show isn't that great in my opinion. Um, but I had heard that the source material was really good. So I started reading it and my wife is actually reading it now too. I, I, I'm reading the hard copy. My wife has it on the Kindle. I cannot read on a Kindle. Um, so uh, I read that. I definitely recommend that. But I, I highly recommend Carrying Comfort too. Um, it's a long read, uh, but man, can that guy write Dan Simmons. He's written some great, great novels. Um, so highly recommend that. Well, Ambrose, I want to thank you very much for joining us here. It's been a pleasure talking to you again. And like I said, thank you very much for reaching out to me to be able to to finally uh, get this episode recorded. Um, I know it's been such a long time, so I do apologize for that. But thank you again for reaching out. It was a pleasure reading the story. Oh, thank you. I, I I love talking to you, and and I hope next time I get to talk to you and your your the rest of your crew. And I look forward to listening to your podcasts. I I listen to you know almost all of them. Um, there's only so many hours in the day. Right. And, and there's lots of podcasts you could listen to. So, you know, the fact that I always listen to yours, you know, I put it in, it's in there like with tales to terrify and um, a couple of other ones. Like it's just, I don't miss episodes of, of those. So. Well, that's great to hear. Thank you for those kind words. Once again, thank you, Ambrose. And thank you every one of you for joining us here on Nerd from the Crypt. Are you a fan of things that go bump in the night? Chills up your spine, paralyzed by fright. Thrilled by horror at the center of a chat. Then welcome to the Nerds from the Crypt Podcast.